Here we go now. Here we go now. What is up, my beautiful family, on this beautiful Thursday night or whenever you are watching us live or whenever you are listening to this podcast, I pray that this message is going to bless your life. I'm ready. I'm ready. There's so much that I want to share with you. And once again, similar to how it was on Sunday, this message really has just blessed me and my study and my devotion. And I hope you guys are ready. Who is excited? Let me know. I'm here. I'm here. I feel your energy. It's the clap for me. Let's get to work. Take your screenshot. Let us know where you are in the world. And I forgot this one particular uh, country that you sent me a video of you and your family watching every single Sunday night. It means so much to me. God bless you all. Let's get to the word. Our foundational text for tonight lives in Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, we're going to read a few verses. Our reading launch launches at verse 22. It says, that night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Our clause of concern and our verse of importance lives and is chilling in verse 24 of our foundational text where the word of God tells us this. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And the question that I'm going to keep on asking you all throughout this message is this. What warfare are you engaged in in the dark? What warfares are you engaged in in the dark? God, would you have your way? Would you just flood this atmosphere and touch the hearts of your people? All the study means nothing if you are magnified, if you are glorified, and if you aren't exalted as my typical request. Make me your oracle, the PA system of heaven, the soundtrack of heaven. Touch our hearts so that we can be your billboard. And everybody who agrees with that prayer would just drop in the room, amen. Amen. Here's a confession. Confession time, confession time. Can I get everybody put this in the room in all caps? God is going to restore me like it never happened. Somebody needs to receive that for the enemy who has been lying to you and said your past is too bad and your past is too filthy and that mistake was too bad. Put in the room, God is going to restore me like it never happened. Jacob was left 
alone and wrestled with the man till daybreak. What warfares are you engaged in in the dark? Church family, last week we had the privilege of receiving our boarding pass and boarding the cruise line of this new sermon series entitled Dear 2020. And I believe this is a, a heaven-customized message that has been formulated by the Spirit because for most of us, most of us, 2020 was a war of a year. Can I buy an amen? Can I buy a man? I understand that we all have different experiences, and this year has touched us all in a different way. But for the most part and globally, 2020 has been a war of a year. And I could be touched. I could be touched. Listen, I'm a man who loves God, and my heart beats after God's people. And I understand some of us have lost loved ones this year, had layoffs this year. It has been tough, and it has been a war of a year. But can I be honest? Can I be honest? I will be honest even if you said no. For some of us, we've been in warfare way before 2020 ever got here. Yes, here we go. For some of us, we have been engaged in war before 2019, before 2018, and for some strange reason, we have just settled with living in a war state. We have just settled with engaging in war. We have just adjusted to it. We don't dream anymore. We don't believe anymore. And the forever opportunity of freedom seems to be passing with each and every day. And this is why I articulated so many times, never confuse adjusting as healing. Because you can sit in the dark and your eyes will adjust to the darkness, but that does not mean you have night vision. Never confuse adjusting as healing. And this this particular war is more stressful. This particular war is more difficult because it is a war that nobody knows that you have been drafted in. We can't see it with our natural eye. When I lay eyes on you, I cannot see that you have this war raging in your soul. You have this war raging in your mind. You have this war raging in your spirit. And I just feel like I'm a man obedient on tonight. I want to speak around this thought from this subject Secret warfares. Has anybody ever had one of those or many of those? Secret warfares. Listen, listen, we have to deal with this. We have to deal with this because I believe the spirit of religion, the spirit of religion and how a lot of these churches have their systems set up, it causes for us to hide our issues. It causes for me to hide my issue because the place that was supposed to provide me with healing provided me with trauma. So we hide our issue because if you have ever discovered my secret warfare, you will rebuke me, you would use it as sermon content, and you would embarrass me. But this is my question. How can you rebuke one who hasn't been discipled? You, you have to be relational before confrontational. How can you rebuke one who doesn't know? And listen, y'all, if we were to actually study and look at the life of Jesus, we will see that Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry kept on creating this, this atmosphere of healing. Jesus had this type of ministry where people would run to him 
with their issues. They would run to him with their struggles. They would run to him with their problems. They would say, Jesus, my child has a demon. How would you like that as a prayer request? <laughs> You're an altar worker up at the line. And they say, yeah, what, what do you need prayer for? My child in the back has a demon. Can you come help? Uh, pastor, <laughs> I, need you to hand, I need you to handle this one. It's sad to say some pastors couldn't even handle it. I'm not even going to bother that. Not even going to bother that. Jesus constantly created this atmosphere. Jesus, my child has a demon. Jesus, my mother-in-law is sick. Jesus, I have leprosy. Jesus, my hand is withered. And I just noticed they constantly kept coming up to him because he created this atmosphere. He created this vibe where it was okay for you to have an issue. And this would happen in the marketplace. And this would also happen in the church. The only people who had a problem with it were the religious leaders. The only people who had a problem with it were the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priest, the high priest. Let's modernize this text. The only people who had a problem with it were the pastors, were the deacons, were the elders. We get in trouble. Were the bishops, were the apostles. Why? Because the spirit of religion wants us to act like we're healed versus for us to really be healed. Because as long as you have an issue, I can stay in ministry. I'm trying to let somebody know there are some people who capitalize off of your brokenness. As long as you remain broken, people are going to come to me. I don't want you to read the Bible for yourself. I don't want you to study the Word of God for yourself. I don't want you to have a prayer life for yourself. Don't view me as a minister. View me as a mini star. I don't want you to actually know God for yourself. Because if you do, you will remove my monetization off of your trauma. Oh, yeah, we coming out just like that, coming out just like that. And this, this mindset and this system, this warp system has also played our churches to such a degree that when you have a struggle, you hide it. When you really are dealing with something, you hide it. But here's the problem. Hidden struggles always become secret warfares. Did y'all hear what I just said? Hidden struggles always become secret warfares. And warfares give birth to wardrobes. Woo! <laughs> so good. Warfares give birth to wardrobes. This is why they're wearing depression on their face. This is why they wear lust on their face. This is why they're wearing anger on their countenance. It is because warfares come with wardrobes. And I just firmly believe this is something that we have to deal with. It's something that we have to deal with so we can stop having people acting like they're healed, but actually experience wholeness. And can I be honest? Sometimes you got to get ugly for your deliverance. You can't care what people think. You can't care that your issue is exposed. You can't care because they can't save me anyway. I need Jesus to deal with my healing. And I need Jesus to deal with my issue. Because I'm tired of smiling outwardly. But in the dark, I'm having secret warfares. What warfare? Are you engaged in, in the dark? And my prayer, my prayer is may God use this message. May God use this message to touch somebody who fears failure. Because God has not given you that spirit. He has not given you the spirit of fear. In fact, failure promotes growth. 
When you want to gain some muscle, you work to the point of muscle failure. What if the risk is about you developing some faith muscles and you cannot have faith without ever taking a risk? I pray that this message touch somebody who fears failure. And that fear has caused you to stay in a womb that you have outgrown. Who am I preaching to? That womb has caused for you to stay, in, that fear has caused for you to stay in a womb that you have outgrown. And I'm praying that the power of the Holy Spirit will flood this atmosphere and serve us as an OBGYN and break your water. Because God has not cosmically created for you to have a stillborn destiny. I'm talking to somebody. God has not cosmically created for you to miscarry. We're going to go full term. There's a vision. You're going to give birth to it. There's a book. You're going to give birth to it. There's a ministry. You're going to give birth to it. There's a podcast. You're going to give birth to it. Because I have called you to give birth. What warfare are you engaged in in the dark? My prayer is that this message will touch somebody who is exhausted. You're exhausted with fake smiles that you're sharing to the world. And at night, your pillowcase is soaked with tears. And you keep on saying, I'm okay, but you're not okay. You keep saying, I'm all good, but it's not all good. You keep saying, I'm over that, but you're not over that. You keep saying, I'm not tripping, but you're really tripping. You keep on saying, I'm good, but you're not good. And I'm trying to get us to understand that unaddressed pain and trauma the devil could use as a permission slip to try to put a bookmark in our story. Did you hear what I just said? Unaddressed pain. And trauma, hell could use as a bookmark to our story. But somebody on tonight needs to know that the devil is a liar. He does not have editorial rights. I'm trying so hard to stay calm. Last week somebody said, I'm about to throw a shoe. Go ahead and throw it. The devil does not have editorial rights. Your mistakes do not have editorial rights. Your critics do not have editorial rights. Your flaws do not have editorial rights. Matter of fact, if you were to look a little closer at that mistake, you would see it's not really a period. It's really a comma. If you were to look a little closer at that flaw, you would see it's not really a period. It's a comma. If you would look a little closer at that shortcoming, you would see it's not a period it's a comma which means to be continued who am I preaching to it means to be continued there's still life after your mistakes there's still life after your unwise choices God is trying to get us to understand that I'm the only one that has editorial rights and I am the author and the finisher of your faith you still matter to me your mistakes did not reduce your value what warfare are you engaged in in the dark my prayer is that this message will touch my sisters. My prayer is that this message will touch a woman who deals with insecurity every single night, every single morning, and you hate what you see in the mirror. You hate what you see in the mirror, so maybe, maybe the makeup can fix it. Maybe the push-up bra can fix it. Maybe this new hairdo could fix it. Maybe these contacts could fix it. Maybe this relationship can fix it. But it's never enough. This is the original lie of the enemy for women. Never enough. You're not enough. It's never enough. You're not enough. Did you hear me? The original lie for the woman is you're not enough. You, you won't surely die. For God knows if you eat this fruit. 
You will be like him, knowing the good and the evil. What is the enemy saying to Eve? You're not enough. You're not enough. And I feel as though some sisters, you feel the same way. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. Your past isn't clean enough. You're not enough. And if we believe the lie of the enemy, if we believe this lie, we'll forever be climbing this invisible ladder to try to obtain some fruit. To try to obtain some fruit that we feel can take away our insecurity. So we bite into that relationship. And we bite into that cheap sex. And we bite into lesbianism. And we bite into pornography. And we bite into weed. And we bite in it to only find out that the aftertaste doesn't cure me of my insecurity. In fact, it separates me from the one that actually could take my insecurity. God knows if you eat this, you're going to be like him. But here's the thing. You already are like God. You're made in his image and his likeness. We're already like God because God doesn't make mistakes. See, see listen, y'all. It's this culture that we're living in. It's this culture that we're living in that constantly tries to remove blemishes. <laughs> constantly tries to remove our blemish. So get fake lips. Get fake hips. Get fake breasts. Get a fake backside. Get fake eyes. Constantly try to remove the blemish. Get rid of that mold. The Photoshop generation. The Instagram with filter type of generation. But here's the thing. It is our blemishes that validate our authenticity. <laughs> our blemishes prove that we're authentic. Because if we don't ever arrive to a place where God is enough, we'll never be enough. Listen. If we view the potter as not enough, surely we'll view his handiwork as not good enough. Did y'all hear what I just said? If you view the potter as not good enough, surely you'll view his handiwork as not good enough. It's likened unto going to a restaurant where you believe the chef can't cook. Every meal that he provides to you, you're going to say is disgusting because you don't believe the chef got skills. And I believe a lot of us haven't really recognized that we're viewing it this way, but we don't really believe God is that good. Because if you believed that he was that good, then you would stop thinking that you're so bad. Trying to help somebody on the night. If we don't understand that God has to be more than enough, we'll live life forever eating forbidden fruit extended to us by snakes. What warfare are you engaged in in the dark? My prayer is that this message could touch one who is disgusted with themselves. Disgusted because of the continued cycle of pornography and masturbation. And you want to be free from it, but it's ruining your mind. It's ruining your thought patterns and it's ruined the way that you're seeing your sisters. Because you don't view them as God's conquest. You view them as sex objects. And there also is a spiritual leader that struggles with this. A spiritual leader that's struggling with this and you're just wondering, how is it I could keep on helping people? How is it I'm great at delivering the word, but I'm poor at the word delivering me? And this is not just a man issue. Ladies, we deal with pornography too. Because we view men and women and our vibrator as the only means to receive pleasure. Yes, I just said that. 
Yes, I just said that, and yes, we're talking about that in church because we need to have conversations that are real, not these little cute messages that make you feel good, but then when you're dealing with a real devil, when you're having real warfare, you don't know how to break free from it because we've had these cute, mundane Put together quotes by Pinterest, minimal biblical content and accuracy that's keeping our spirit man malnourished, but our flesh obese. <laughs> ah, we're listening to messages that keep our spirit malnourished, but our flesh obese. And I just can't speak for anybody else, but is there anybody that arrived to this place that I want to grow? I want to grow. I can't grow off just sweets. Give me some depth. Because I'm tired of fighting warfares and I don't know what scriptures to go to. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what podcast to listen to. I need some help. And if we don't talk about this in church, we'll keep going to the world for them to give us instructions. And then we're blaming God while we're not free from this when it has been the world and the culture who have been our professors. <sighs> we can't keep sending our children to Caesar and get confused when they come back talking like Romans. We have to deal with the issues in church. And it starts when you're children. You have to stop defending that child who has bad behavior. Because if you keep on defending that and never correcting that, one day you're going to pay an attorney to do the same thing. Ah, what? Warfare. Are you engaged in in the dark? And I can't speak for anybody else. But is anybody thankful that Jesus deals, deals with your Jacob at night and not at noon? <laughs> Jesus deals with your Jacob at night and not at noon. There are a lot of places that if we get a whiff of your secret struggle, they'll stone you. But truth be told, some of them are doing the same thing. It's just yours didn't go public. Doing the same thing. Yours just didn't end up on the shade room. Same thing. It's just yours didn't end up on World Star. I wonder, have we forgotten? Inside of everybody, there is a Jacob and there is an Israel. And I just think we need to pause for the cause and give God a praise break. I don't care if you're watching me in the gym. I don't care if you're listening to this in the car. I don't care where you are if you're at the office. Is there anybody thankful that Jesus deals with your Jacob at night and not at noon? At night is when nobody knows about it. It's just you and him. He knows about your struggle. You're wrestling with him. You're struggling with him. But at daybreak, I don't want to struggle with your Jacob. I'm going to change you before daybreak to Israel because they would judge you by your Jacob flaw. But I know you have Israel potential. Is there anybody grateful? Jesus, deal with me at night and not at noon. <laughs> don't make me get started on my contradiction tip. Y'all remember when I did all those contradictions? Don't make me go back there. I think we forget how God washes. I think we forget how God washes us. God washes by conviction, by tension, by eviction, and affliction. Say it again. How, how does God wash his children? He washes us by conviction, by tension, by eviction, and affliction. Okay? So, so let's break this down. Conviction. Conviction is God's way of saying, this is not like me. Conviction is God's way of saying, this is not like me. Tension 
is God's way of saying, this is not from me. And eviction is God's way of saying, they're keeping you from me. And affliction is God's way of bringing you closer to me. This is so good, y'all. So good. How does God wash us? Through conviction, through tension, through eviction, and affliction. Conviction is God's way of saying, this is not like me. Tension is God's way of saying, this isn't from me. Eviction is God's way of saying, they're keeping you from me. And affliction is God's way of bringing you closer to me. So let's break this down. Listen, conviction is not shame. Conviction is not shame. Condemnation comes from hell. Okay? I want us to see this. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, therefore, there is now no, what's that word? Talk to me. Condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Conviction is not shame or condemnation because condemnation comes from hell. Conviction is when we miss the mark. It's, it's when we miss the mark and conviction hits your heart. It's when you cuss somebody out, and as soon as you finish cursing them out, you feel like, oh, man, I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have said that. I kind of went in. I bleep, 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 bleep. I let them have it. Now, look, there's a problem. If you're saying that you're a follower of Jesus and you can curse people out and feel nothing, there's a problem. If you're a follower of Jesus and you can steal and feel nothing, there's a problem. If you're a follower of Jesus and you could just have sex partner after sex partner and you don't feel nothing because one of the signs of the Holy Spirit at work in your life is when we do something that is sinful, the Holy Spirit is like, hey, that, that one right there, that, that wasn't God-like. Conviction is God saying, hey, this is not the way sons of the king behave. This is not the way daughters of the king behave. It's not condemnation. It's simply saying that wasn't God-like. That, that wasn't God-like. So every time, listen, every single day we wake up, peace and chaos both come to our door. When we live a life that listens to the spirit conviction, it will help us to choose peace. It will help us to choose peace. Peace and chaos will arrive at your door every day when we live a life according to the Spirit and we listen to the convictions of the Spirit. It will help us choose peace. This is so good. Listen, conviction leads to change. Condemnation leads to chains. Did you hear what I just said? Conviction leads to change condemnation leads to chains 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 this is why i believe david said listen thy rod and thy staff they comfort me because there was a time when i was sin and feel nothing has anybody ever been there i mean you felt nothing you just you just turning up in the club feeling nothing you just drinking shot at the shop feeling nothing you just turning up feeling nothing you just sexy feeling nothing but now when you're about to do something there is this conviction that hits your heart and that is the sign that the holy spirit is at work in your life can i get somebody to say conviction now listen, listen, when you don't understand this, correction feels like an attack. 
When you don't understand, this is how the Holy Spirit washes us by conviction. When somebody tells you something that's convicting, it'll feel like an attack because you have not discovered that that's how God washes us. Conviction. Number two, tension. Tension always arrives whenever we consider running God's red lights. You know how you're driving and you see the light turn yellow. You're like, should I stop? Should I hit get? Should I? Which one do you do? When you see the light turn yellow, are you like, oh, should I, should, I floor it? should I floor it? Or do you hit the brake? That tension is a yellow light. Hey, girl, so uh, listen, man. Uh, I just want to know you want to come over for a little bit. You know, we're just going to chill. We could, uh, we, could, we could study Proverbs. We could study Proverbs for a little bit. Uh, you know, I just, I just think anytime the brother rub his chin, anytime he rub his chin, rub his hands. Anytime it's like, hey, you know, uh, I'm just thinking that uh, you could just come through for a little bit. We could, we could read Proverbs. That is going to cause a yellow light. That yellow light, you're going to be like, eh, I don't really know. Eh, I know. Are you going to try to run the light or are you going to stop? And for most of us, we live life like we drive. When we see yellow, we floor it. Tension arrives when we consider running God's red lights, okay? Now, eviction, this is a hard one here because anytime you give your life to Jesus, he's always going to hand out eviction notices, always. Whenever you have surrendered your life to Jesus, he hands out eviction notices. Jesus comes with the breakup. I hope y'all know that. <laughs> we have to break up with this porn. We're going to have to break up with this subscription. We may even have to break up with your bae, the person that you think is your man. We're going to have to break up. And I know you like, but he's my world. <laughs> but she's my world. This is like your third world, bruh. <laughs> like the last three or four girls were your world. How many worlds you got? What you building, a solar system? <laughs> Jesus always comes with a breakup. When my relationship with God changes, my relationship with sin changes. If my relationship with sin has not changed, my relationship with God will not change. Uh, I feel like this is conviction all in one, right? Eviction. Eviction. Now, here, here's one that we don't like to discuss. Affliction. Affliction is God's way of bringing you closer to me. You're going to get a prayer life after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when God doesn't have your attention, he'll disturb what does. Affliction has you to remember, I'm the God that healeth thee. Affliction has you remember all those prayers you heard your praying grandmother had, or all those times if you didn't grow up in church, all those times when your heart was beating because those bullets were a little close, and you were considering, I need to change my life. This, this is that way of God saying, I need you to come to me. If you keep rolling over to somebody that you're not married to, you probably need a life change. If you keep on getting so high that you don't remember what you did last night, it's probably time for a life change. If your Bible is a dust collector until Thursday and Sunday, you probably need a life change. Affliction is God's way of saying, I'm going to use this fire to get you on fire. I'm going to use this fire to get you on fire. I'm not punishing you. I just chastise those that I love. I love my son. If my son does something out of line, I correct him. If my daughter does something out of line, I correct her. 
But I don't just walk down the street correcting other people's children. Why? They're not mine. When God provides you with conviction, when he provides you with tension, when he provides you with eviction and affliction, those are all good signs because it means you're mine. Ah, this is so good. We all have a Jacob and an Israel on the inside of us. And I wonder how the church would look if we would use our Jacob, if we would use our Jacob story to help people who still have Jacob conditions. I'm Israel now, but I'm not judging you because you still have a Jacob struggle. Because there was a time in my life when I had that same Jacob struggle too. There was a time in my life when I had that same Jacob issue in my marriage. And what I'm going to do now, since I'm Israel, is I'm going to disciple you. We have to understand that the church is a hospital. It's okay for people to come here that are sick. The problem is all of us can't be sick. We do need some doctors. We do need some nurses. We do need some surgeons. We do need some people who have depth so that when people come in with their issues, we don't push them away, but we treat them. We introduce them to the master physician, this one right here needs a heart transplant this one right here needs to heal from childhood trauma this one got molested and this is why her personality is so hard she's not really a mean person it's just that mean situation changed who she really is she really doesn't like sleeping with all these men it's just she never had the affection of a father and she needs to be introduced to the heavenly father so she can learn that he laid down his life so she can stop laying down her her body i wonder if we had people who understood my jacob experience is for me to help you get out of your Jacob stronghold. What warfare are you engaged in in the dark? This is why I believe Jesus told that dude, you pick up your mat and you walk. Let me show you this. Show you this. A few points and we're done. John 5, verse 2. It says, now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethsaida. And which is surrounded by five covers. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that, he is, that his condition had been like this for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water. No one to help me in the pool when the water stirred. Then Jesus, look at this, didn't even respond to that. He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. Now, now this, this is my problem. This is my problem. All of us have a mat. Can I get somebody in the room and say all of us? Anytime we're attending a church or there's a proclaimed ministry, that does not have healing in the form of sermons, discipleship, accountability, or the miraculous, that is not a church that is a cult. That's not a church that is a cult. We all have our mat days. Now, this is what messed me up, y'all. This is what messed me up. Okay, so this dude has been here for 38 years. All right, so he has his mat. This is the mat. He has his mat. And he's just laying on it. He's chilling on it. Jesus rolls up to him. He says, hey, bro, do you want to be made well? He's like, look, bro, when the water's stirring up, man, I don't have nobody to push me in. He couldn't have been me because I would have had my mat right next to the water where as soon as it starts stirring, I'm rolling in. 
<laughs> He's sitting there and he says, I don't have nobody to help me. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge it. He says, pick up your mat and walk. I wonder what it was like for him to start to notice that strength came back to his legs. I wonder what it was like when the numbness was no longer there in his feet. But he was able to feel, I have strength in my legs again. Now, if you like me, as I start rising, I'm not picking this up. <laughs> I've been on this for 38 years. I haven't even lived 38 years yet. But I'm like, uh, if I've been here 38 years, bruh, I'm done with that. <laughs> Jesus says, no, pick it up. Pick up your mat. Pick up your bed and walk. I believe God has a way of showing us, I want you to carry the very thing that used to carry you. So good. I want you to carry the very thing that used to carry you. And it's the crazy thing, y'all. Some religious leaders saw him and they said, is it lawful to carry your bed on the Sabbath? Isn't it crazy that people don't like to see you healed? I've been here for 38 years, and your only issue is, why am I carrying my bed on the Sabbath? Listen, this dude had to wonder, how in the world were you not there for me when I was struggling to push me in the water? But now you have so much to say that I'm carrying my bed? Bag, 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 bag. <laughs> now look, 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 look. I'm like, okay, Jesus, why would you have him carry his bed? I believe all of us, if we look closely, you have a bed in your hand. So if you see your sister with a bed issue, oh, here we go. If you see your brother with a bed struggle, if you see your cousin with a bed struggle, I really can't judge because if I look down at my hand, I have a bed myself. I have a bed myself, and it's amazing that God will use our bed and turn it into billboards. This is what used to have me bound, but Jesus set me free. I used to lay on this, but now I know the way maker. I used to be bound, but I ran into a healer. And if he could do it for me, I believe that he could do it for you too. God has a way of using your bed to turn into billboards. The very thing that carried you, I want you to now carry it. So how do we break free from secret warfares? Number one, you got to confess that you're Jacob. He was wrestling with this man. A little theology for you. This is called a theophany. A theophany. A Christophany. It is a pre-incarnated existence of the God-man, Jesus. He's wrestling with this man. He's wrestling with this man. And all of a sudden he shifts from wrestling to holding. Now notice the text says that Jacob was alone at night. So Jesus was dealing with his Jacob at night. Nobody else could see it. This just me and you. Remember, he sent his wives ahead. He sent all his possessions ahead. Everybody else is gone. Right now, it's just me and you. This is why you have to stop despising being alone because it is those alone seasons where God deals with your Jacob. And you're so quick to try to get out. I don't like being alone. I'm so lonely. You're not alone. I set this time apart so that I could deal with your Jacob alone wrestling with this man and he shifts from from wrestling to holding I believe when it dawned on him notice at dawn 
At dawn, some light is starting to show where you could see. I believe when it dawned on Jacob who he was wrestling it, wrestling with, he said, okay, you know what? I need to stop wrestling with you because I recognize I'm wrestling with God. What if the very thing that you're wrestling with, I'm using this sermon to hopefully have a dawn moment for you to see that you're wrestling with God. The thing that you don't want to give up God is wrestling. I need you to give up that bitterness and apologize to your mother. I know you feel like she's the one that did you wrong, but I need you to do it for your heart because forgiveness frees the prisoner. What if it was more about you recognizing who you're fighting? He says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Wrestling to holding, wrestling to holding. Then he shifts and says, what is your name? Seems like a random question. What is your name? He says, my name is Jacob. What is he saying? I need you to own your struggle. Jacob means deceiver, con artist. So he's really saying, I'm a deceiver. I'm a liar. I'm a manipulator. I'm a con artist. I'm somebody who's been deceptive. Then... He was like, your name will no longer be called Jacob. I'm getting so excited. It'll be called Israel because God can't really change who we are until we acknowledge who we are. Number one, confess Jacob. Number two, we need to start holding and not fighting. Stop fighting. We have been holding. We have been fighting, but we haven't been holding. Holding. Look at this. Verse 24 He's wrestling with God. Verse 26, he's holding on to God. Verse 28, God changed him. Everybody wants verse 28, God changed me. But we haven't recognized verse 24, you have to stop wrestling. So good. Where are you at? Are you at verse 24, wrestling with the principles and the teachings of God, but you're praying? Verse 28, God changed me. In the middle is holding. The way I change you is if you stop holding on to your problem, but you hold on to a promise. Hold on to your promise. Then he said, what is your name? I'm Jacob. Then he changed his name and he blessed him there. Listen, if there's nothing else that you get from the night, I want you to get this. The blessing cannot happen until we stop fighting, but start holding. I can't bless you as long as you're wrestling against my will. I can't bless you as long as you're wrestling with the things that I'm trying to tell you to let go. I can't bless you, but when you acknowledge who you are, that's when I could bless you and I could change you. Three, I need some boundaries. Secret warfares, I need boundaries. What is a boundary? The easiest way for you to understand it, it is a just-in-case backup. Just in case my flesh is on one, I have some spiritual guardrail that won't let me go over to the other lane. I need a just-in-case just in case, back up. Last point, number four, join the army. Galatians chapter six says, verse two, carry each other's burdens. Listen, if I don't have any brothers with me, if I don't have community, who's gonna carry my burden? And the reason a lot of us are dealing with secret warfares is because you have forgotten that you're in the army. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Last verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. If I'm not surrounded by an army of believers, I'll have nobody to carry my burdens. And if I'm not surrounded by a body of believers, 
I won't have anybody to build me up. What warfare are you engaged in in the dark? And what we could learn from Jacob as he was struggling in the dark with God is God always deals with those struggles in the dark because there's an Israel on the inside of you. But the only way I could change you to Israel is you have to acknowledge who you were and stop fighting, but start holding. God, would you give us hearts to start holding on to your word, holding on to your promise, hold on to our faith. God, we've been, we've been so tempted to throw in the towel with our faith, God, but we're, we're asking that you give our spirit the strength to keep holding on, to keep believing, because you're the God that sees our Israel while everybody else may know us as just Jacob. And may you deliver us from warfares that we're fighting alone and remind us and surround us with other believers to help us deal with our wars. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.